know, this, this week we, our family get to experience, um, as a church family too, uh, the family adventures and it was great. And we just, we had a, we had a really cool, uh, experience. And, and one of the things that we actually experienced it at home, which was really good because, you know, our kids were a part of the, the program and just helping out. Because um, they're a little little too old now to be in the in the program, so they they're helping to put the program on, and and they were all in the um, kind of the skits and the play and all the different things with the drama, and it was really cool. And first and foremost, can I just have everybody that helped out stand up? Everybody that kind of came they came and did something, help out, just stand on up, yeah, and just really, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot in the back there too. The, Jason, come on now, come on. That's good, yeah. These, we, seriously, a lot of work, a lot of effort. A lot, we just appreciate you guys so much because, you know, like, like seriously, as a dad of four kids, uh, all will be teenagers in a year. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got three, three teenage girls and one boy that just turned 12 on Friday. And uh, um, it, it's like, that's a job. I don't care if you have one. Or, or ten. It's a job that's bigger than you, and any parent knows this. It, it's just too big. Um, and, and as a youth pastor, I used to get people that would say, "Hey, can you can you like fix my kid?" Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to do that, but, but I can help. You know, I, I can I can certainly be another piece of that puzzle that I believe is the larger family that's at work. In, in, in the kids um, as well, because they're the church, and I love seeing like like little Becca up here just giving, you know, the the, the word, and then Jeff uh, up here. He's not a kid, but uh, but definitely able to, you know, all generations. Because whether whether you're older or younger, I mean, we're the church, and and so it was really cool to experience this when we went home, and one of my teenagers kind of came in and was just like, you know, um. The, She'd been working on the play and all the other stuff, just like everybody else. And she said, you know, there's, there's something in my life um, that I'm seeing. And I, and I saw, like, a principle. She didn't say that word, but I'm going to use it because I think it, it, it really was. It was a principle that she saw. And she said, you know, I see this, and, and I, really, I really just want my life to practice that. And it was totally unscripted. It's not like I, you know, I bring my kids in. Okay, kids, come on in. Tell us what you learned from church today. You know, it's not like that. You know, it's, it's not, stand and we'll have our devotion time. And everybody stands up. And, you know, I don't know what you think of my family and how we, you know, do that. Because sometimes people are like, you guys probably just like read the Bible all day long, right? Are you just worshiping Jesus all the time? And so, yes, yes, we are. Um, but no, you know, and, and so it was very unscripted, you know, and she just came and she, but it was like, wow. I was just blown away because, like, what she had been dealing with in the, in the play and, and with the kids was very much processing in her teenager brain and, and, and came out and, this is how my life should be. So simple. And, and very much so, the reason I bring that up is because that's, that's the idea of kingdom come. Uh, Jesus came, laid it out to the point where he lays his life out. And says, now go and, and live. And, and we practice that. We, we, we apply that. And that's what she did. And, and, and that is, that's awesome. And it's not easy. Please understand me. It's not easy. Because the adverse of that was, I, I played a character in the play named Magellan, who, who was a very godly sea captain. And he was a good pirate. Wasn't a bad pirate. 
And, and there came a comment um, in, the, uh, in the middle of the week at some time that said, Man, Dad, wouldn't it be great if you were more like him instead of yourself? <laughs> because I don't always apply the principles and truth of, of the kingdom in my own life. Because, because life is hard. You get tired, you get overwhelmed, you get stressed out, you get busy. You know, and we can become impatient. We cannot be always kind or, or self-controlled. Or I mean, you, you name it, right? And so, this is not something I say that's just an easy thing that we walk out and I say, here, go, and Jesus says, go do likewise. And, 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 and it's just something you just instantly do. No, um, it's something that we struggle with. And we, we die to daily. And we allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in our life. Because God does that. Jesus didn't just come to tell us. He came to live it through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not under our own power. Amen? And, and, and I'll tell you, if I had to do what, what, we, what I tell people and call people to every week by myself, and if I were to stand up here and say, now go do this on your own, just forget about it. Like Paul says, let's go and party. You know, let's just go and party because if Christ be not raised from the dead, meaning we don't have the power of the resurrection living in our life, there is no point to try to do this on our own. We just can't. And so I love what we're going through here in the idea of kingdom come because we're really looking at the principles we find in God's kingdom laid out by the Son of God who came and lived them amongst us. And, and, and we, we practice these. We could put them into practice in our life. And so this is kingdom come. This week, our our take-home truth is simply this. Kingdom come means I don't try to change the world, but let God change me. See, kingdom come means I don't try to change the world. I allow God to change me. So let's stand on up for the reading of God's word. We're going to look at another parable that Jesus points out and says, again, this is... This is the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom come looks like this. In, in verse 24 of, Ma- of Matthew 13, Jesus says this. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir! Don't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Well, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. So let both grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, but then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Okay, you may be seated. So, again, what I want to look at right now, because this is, this is a great parable, and many of you have heard this, maybe this is the first time you've heard this, but parables are great because they really just show us a simple principle or a couple principles that we can apply in our lives. Um, and, and it's not difficult. It's not a difficult thing uh, to understand. And so I want to point out some of the principles here, and then we're going to look at the practice, all right? First principle of this, of this and the pr- principle of kingdom come is simple. Kingdom come means we will deal with weeds from the enemy. This is a fact. You will deal with weeds. You will. See, Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds. See, we have a tendency to forget that 
that God created this earth. He created man, he created woman, and he said, you know what? It's good. Now go, be in charge. Manage this thing. Manage creation. You're in charge of it. Go, take care of it. Which is an epic thing. It's awesome when you think about it. That God created this whole cosmos and gave us, like like me, you, charge of it. That's insane. Like, I, I'm barely good with my bank account. You know, like, I'm, you know, I, I do enough. I, I, I know enough to let my wife do that. See, but but the truth is, I mean, like, like we're not always the best with what we are in charge of. And God's like, here. And the crazy thing is, the first people with Adam and Eve, they, they, they were deceived. They were deceived, and they gave charge of this earth over to the enemy. And we have a tendency to forget that sometimes. That, that in the garden, in the beginning of time, we, we, we blew it. And we said, you know what? Here, you take control of it. Because the enemy is at work. And he's continually, he's continually throwing the weeds amongst the wheat. And, and what's interesting about this is um, the weeds and wheat look really similar. See, in that day... Um, it's actually called Darnell or something to that effect. It, it, it's a weed that was very common in that day that you can't tell the difference between weed and the wheat. You just couldn't tell the difference. There, there was no, until it was about ready, you know, it would start to sprout, uh, you would get about ready to harvest, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that's not wheat. Those are weeds. And in fact, what's interesting, because one of the things I was thinking about was, why, why is this parable? I mean, he's using common things, right? This was so common that people would go into their competitor's field or they would go to their neighbor that they didn't like. You know, oh, you gave me bad hummus and, you know, I'm going to go get you. You know, like, like your goat keeps coming into my yard and I'll show you. And so this was very common. In fact, it was so common that, that, that the Romans actually had a law against this. The, the Romans had to have a law uh, where they, they basically prescribed a certain kind of punishment if you sowed this type of weed in your competitor or your enemy's uh, field. And it was a really great way to ruin your neighbor. It was a really great way to, to kind of sow destruction and trick your neighbor. And that's exactly what, uh, what our enemy has done. See, this is the evil one. I mean, his, his goal has always been to, to lie, steal, and destroy. See, I mean, when you really think about the pain you've suffered in your life, when you really think about the stuff that you've had to endure, when you really go to those dark places of your life, what you're really seeing is the weeds that the enemy has been sowing since the beginning of time. I, I, let me... Let me put it this way. Maybe it was those friends that you started to hang out with that seemed to be great and seemed to fulfill a lot of relational needs that you had. or You, know, you, you seemed to truly find some kindred spirits in them, but as time progressed, you also saw that they did things you, you knew weren't right. And, and, and then you, you find yourself kind of going along with it because you, you needed friends and they were good friends to some extent, and but now you're acting different, you're saying things that are different, and... Well, it's almost like it looked like wheat, but it becomes weeds. Uh, maybe it's a relationship with that special person who just swept you off your feet and 
You said all, they said all the right things and did all the right things and how could this not be the wheat you've been hoping for in your life? The, the, the something that you, could, that you could be fulfilled in. And yet over time you're starting to see that it's not so edible and that it's not so perfect and it's not what you really needed. Instead you're left with a relationship that's more weeds than wheat. Maybe it's that ism or the religion or, or politics or... You know, that philosophy, which seems so great. And it promised life, it promised peace, it promised wheat. But the more they, 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 it's been growing in your life, the more you're seeing the inedible nature of the weeds that are forming and not the wheat you were promised. You see, weeds are everywhere. And they really can, I mean, most of the time they are the people around us. That we thought, and then we look back with the knife in our back, and we pull it out and say, et tu, Brute? It, it, it's that simple. But it's also like the, the idea of, of it's just not completely edible. It's not the bread of life that we are looking for, where we'll never go hungry again. It's the weeds. And we're all caught unaware of the weeds that grow amidst the wheat this is why Jesus is very careful to say in verse 25, everyone was asleep. He doesn't say the man, the farmer. He says everyone. And that word is an interesting word. It's anthropos. It's where we get the word anthropology. And it's not a really cool shop where you get really cool things that my wife wants to go to and buy stuff all the time. Anthropology is a study of, of, of mankind. It's a study of humankind. You see, and so that word is basically all-encompassing of humans, mankind, man, woman, young, old, Rich, poor, black, white, no matter who you are, you're, you, you get caught sleeping. You do. And then you wake up and you go, what the heck is this? And we've all been there. We've all been there. All people are caught unaware and try to harvest weeds thinking it's wheat. So don't miss this. The, the second principle of the kingdom is simple too. Kingdom come means we have a savior who is never caught unaware. See, the owner's servants came to him in verse 27 and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. See, the scripture is very clear to point out that God is not asleep here. He knows the enemy is at work. And the difference between the, he knows the difference between the weed and the wheat. He's not deceived. He knows exactly the, the cause. But see, the servants are tricked. And what's interesting about this, when you really look at this, and you look at the way it's constructed, the, the servants come to the, to the master, and they're blaming him. You see, Jesus, as he's, as he's saying this, everybody would have understood, like, they're coming to the farmer going, what the heck? Didn't you check the bag before you started sowing it? Because there's a bunch of weeds there. What's wrong with you? It's a thinly veiled accusation. It's like a, like, like a slap to the face of the owner who wasn't the one sleeping. They're ticked. And they literally come to him and in the words of Ricky Ricardo, you've got some splaining to do. Right? That's the idea. You've got some splaining to do. I mean, I mean and, and I, know, I know this hasn't happened to you where you sit and you say, look at my family, God. Look at my family. Look at the weeds that I've had to deal with my whole life. Look at the situations. I mean, look at the, the money situation. Look at the, 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 the problem with, with what I have been given. Look at the weeds. Don't you care? 
Look at my life that's falling apart. I've been working this field of yours and now I have weeds in my marriage or in my job or in my health. Who put these here? Was it you? This isn't fair. You promised me wheat and I've got weeds. Don't you care? The doctor just came back with a diagnosis full of weeds. I mean, they're going to choke my life out. Didn't you only sow wheat? What's going on? God gets a lot of blame for the weeds of this world. When the truth is that we left the gate open to the enemy so he could come in and sow destruction in our life. Let me say that one more time. God gets all the blame for the weeds of this world when the truth is that we left the gate open to the enemy so he could come in and sow destruction in our life. Jesus isn't surprised. He's not caught unaware by the weeds. We are. Third principle. Kingdom comes means God has a purpose even for the weeds. So, so the servants, I mean, the, the farmer says, hey, look, it wasn't, wasn't me. <laughs> Don't blame me. It's the enemy. But he says, you know, as the servants are saying, hey, should we go and pull them up then? What do you want us to do with these? Because they, they're not edible. They're going to destroy. I mean, they're not good. And Jesus says, or the, the farmer of God says, because, um, no, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles, right? So this is the part that really baffles me. And I think it should baffle all of us. Because I, I, I don't know how many of you have gone out into maybe your yard or the garden or seen something, and, and you see all these weeds, and you go, sweet, just let them grow. <laughs> right? I mean, I wished my parents had said that when I was growing up. Yeah. Right? I'd say, it's in the Bible. They go, no. It might be in the Bible, but you're pulling weeds today. You know, and, and, and I'm thankful for the slaves, I, I mean children that I have, who I say, go out and pull the weeds. It's great. I'm still trying to think of what the day they go, and I can't tell them that anymore. But, um, but, but it's, it's crazy. Why would God allow the weeds to grow? Why? It's almost like he has a purpose for even the weeds. I think the best way to explain this is by letting the Bible explain itself by the Bible. A good example of that is I want to, I want to remind us of a story in the Bible of a man who was, was just a godly man. Uh, definitely a wheat growing in the weeds. And, and, and the crazy thing is when it came to his family, he had weeds. Okay, his own brothers hated him. And we're not just saying like they would hold him down and do spit wads, you know, like spit on him or give him, you know, punches all the time and, oh, you stink. Because like my brother and I did that, but at the end of the day, we still loved each other. No, these guys hated him. So much so that they beat the just snot out of him, threw him down a cistern and was like, saw a traveling band of a, a caravan and said, hey, you want to buy a half-dead kid, otherwise known as our brother, and sold him into slavery. Like, sold their brother into slavery. That's crazy when you think about it. That's some weeds. And then he, was, he, he ends up in this system, right? This, this government system of oppression and lack of freedom. 
was forced to work and do things that this wasn't what he was. This wasn't who he was. I mean, you talk about weeds. His job was full of weeds with an employer who who unjustly accused him of things that he didn't do. He found himself trying to live as wheat, trying to, to live as God had called him to live. And here he is in the midst of it, and his employer tries to take advantage of him and, and, and tries to seduce him and bring him into her bed. And he's like, no, I'm going to offend my Lord. And he runs, and she says, he raped me. And so the, 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 the people come and they grab him and, and, and they throw him in prison. And, and that's nuts, because Egyptian prisons were not known for being nice. And then the people who were there with him, his peers, other prisoners, who were supposed to like, you know, have, you have a prisoner code, I hear, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, you're in suffering together, right? Like, you're dealing with this. Like, and a lot of these guys that were with him were, were suffering because of something they didn't, quote-unquote, necessarily do or bad. I mean, they were just thrown in prison because they thought they, that people were, they were poisoning the Pharaoh or whatever it was. And so they got thrown in there too. And they're all moaning together and just having, it's like, oh my goodness. And, and so one of them, you know, gets called out and Joseph says, hey, remind the Pharaoh of me, of my plight. <laughs> Don't forget me. If you have favor on you, don't forget me. Well, they all forget him. He's in there for over 14 years. See, Joseph knew what it was to live in a world where weeds and wheat grew together. He, of all people, had a right to be bitter and angry. God, what's up with these weeds? Tear them out. But the Lord used him. The Lord used him in a mighty way and revealed his kingdom through the weeds and the wheat. Joseph ended up becoming the second most powerful person in the first most powerful nation in the entire world. I mean, it was nuts. He saved thousands, hundreds of thousands. Who knows how many lives he saved because God used him. And eventually, Joseph had a time as he's sitting just a lot better off to take advantage of his position to pay back his evil brothers. And he doesn't. He doesn't. Instead, he, he, gives, he gives wheat instead of pointing out the weeds that they gave. If you want to look at Genesis 50, all the way through this, it's so great. But, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing in there and I want to point us out to it because I really believe this, is, this is encapsulates the reason that God says don't uproot the weeds with the wheat. Why? In, in Genesis 50, 19, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Am I God? Can I decide whether this gets torn out or this gets torn out or this gets taken or that? I can't do that. But verse 20, uh, uh, 20 he says, you intended to harm me. See, you, you were the weeds. You intended weeds. Death. You can't eat that. It's poison. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, God has a purpose for the weeds. That's crazy. 
God can use the bad. God can use the tough. God can use that family member that hurt you so much. God can use that diagnosis. God can use those things in your life that you look at and you go, why? Paul in his letter to Romans says this I and mean, he states this. I love it. He says, and we know that God causes everything, even the weeds, to work together for the good of those who love God. For the wheat. He uses the weeds to work with the wheat and are called according to his purpose for them. It's awesome. It's, it's like God is God or something. He gets it, right? I think we forget that sometimes. We get so in our head and so in our space and so in our stuff that we forget that God is so far above that and that the train of his robe fills the temple, as Isaiah says. And the angels scream out, Holy, 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 holy! It's the Lord, all, Lord our God, God Almighty, the one who is in control. God can use the weeds of abuse and neglect and injustice and oppression just like he did in the life of Joseph to develop the wheat of his kingdom which protects and loves those around him. Where at the end of the day we see a story of redemption and salvation that God is at work in your life as well. This last principle is the take-home truth. Kingdom come means I don't try to change the world, but I let God change me. This is where it all sums it up, see? And the sad truth is, I can drive around. I I live in Yukaipa. I I, I love Redlands, and I wish I could live here. It's just a little too expensive for a family of six, you know? They wanted to put us in this tiny little 1,000-square-foot place, and I'm like, I'll kill my kids. Yukaipa's got a little more space. Eventually, we'll get over here. I drive around Yukaipa and I just remember the first time I saw this, I kind of was like, wait, what? There, there's these signs, and I don't know if you've seen them in there. I'm sure they've, they've been all over. I mean, you've probably have seen this, but there, there's these signs in different yards over in, and, 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 and I just remember looking at this one sign and, and it said, it quoted Psalm 14, which says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that was it. That's it. Just the sign. Just the quote. And that's one of the, simp- that's one of the nicer ones. Because there's other ones that say, the wicked shall die. Fire. I mean, just it, it'll quote like Ezekiel, which is some pretty tough stuff, man. That's why Quentin Tarantino had, what's his name in Pulp Fiction, quote it. Because it's tough. It's, 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 it's hardcore. I mean, it's death and judgment, baby, because that's eventually coming. Judgment is coming. I mean, we have a, we have a God who, who people are going to pay. But the truth is, this is all people see. They're driving by, drinking their cup of joe or listening to the radio. And You see, I don't have a problem with Scripture. I really don't. I love Psalm 14 because it points out some amazing stuff in my life and in the life of those around me. But there's no relational investment here. There's no mention of God's immeasurable grace just scripture used to insult non-believers. Scripture used as a club so as to somehow beat non-Christians into seeing that they need to change. I mean, this is futile. Jesus didn't do that. 
In fact, when you really look at what Jesus, when he was, when he gave, I mean, judgment, and he gave um, hardcore sayings, and he really was talking to people in such a way that was like, look, you got it now. It was those that were like content in their religiosity, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And believe me, in the practices of the ancient world, they were way worse than we are today. And I can go into detail, but I've been told not to do that. Because I would say things that you would be like, oh my gosh, yes, this is what they lived in. This is what they saw on the streets. I mean, sometimes we look around and we go, oh my gosh, what is the world coming to? That is not the first time that statement has ever been said. Believe me. And if you lived during the time of Jesus, we're sti- we still got a long way to go. But here we have a direct call of Jesus, the farmer, saying to his servants, Christians, don't try and change the world. It's not your job to pull up the weeds. I have a purpose and a plan. You don't need to go around judging and condemning. We need to stop being so concerned with changing the world and start seeing that God wants to change us. And so I just want to encourage you. What does this look like? Because these are some principles. What are these, what are these, how does this turn into a practice? So I've got three real simple things that are really quick, and they all start with W, so you can remember them easier, right? Because I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't put a mnemonic behind it or something, all right? So these are the principles that we now want to see the practice. What does it look like practically? First, we welcome non-believers into our homes and lives. See, we, we, we welcome See, if more Christians were to welcome non-believers into, the, into their homes, we would see a lot different press, I believe, for Christians around the world. Especially in this country. See, instead of, instead of having a sign that tells people a, a, a scripture, why don't we bring them into our home and share a conversation with them? Why don't, why don't we live in such a way that says, you know what, I'm going to have a face-to-face with you. And, and I know you're like, well, I don't have a sign. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a sign. But there's this thing called Facebook. Yep. <laughs> Social media can get this way too. And we can have a tendency to just say, well, this is it. Deal with it. It's a lot different when you have that person standing right before you. See, one of the saddest things I ever heard was one of the biggest churches in the country, Willow Creek, there was a study done and and, and 98, 99% of the people there said, yeah, we need to to work with homeless. We need to help them because that was the first question. Are you okay with working with homeless and helping homeless and seeing homeless? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the Christians were like, darn tootin', it's in the Bible, baby. B-I-B-L-E, that's for me and my family. Right? Second question. Do you know the name of a homeless person? One and a half percent. One and a half percent said, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know a homeless person. And I know their name. You see the disparity? There's a big disparity there from putting a principle into practice. And God says, are we, are we going to welcome them? Instead of the criticisms and remarks, we're going to welcome them into our homes. Jesus was constantly surrounded by people, so much so that his religious criticizers were like, he's a friend of sinners. 
He's a friend of dropouts and losers and worthless people that we all say are bad. And Jesus wore that badge proudly. Do we, do we welcome people that are different than us? Do we welcome people that have a different opinion than us? Do we welcome people that will not see eye to eye with us? That is hospitality. Henry Nouwen does this great thing when he's talking about the idea of hospitality. He says hospitality isn't just having a room in the back that says, Come, anybody, we're here. No, it's allowing a space, going out and creating a space that says, You don't know me, I don't know you. In fact, you probably don't even like me. And you probably think I don't like you. But we're going to create a space where we're going we're to sit and we're going to hash this out. Because I'm not going to give up on you. That's what Jesus did with us. And he calls us to do with the world around us. That's what we mean by connecting with the community. Because if at the end of the day we find that there are only believers around our table, then we must confess that our lives look much less like Jesus' life and more like the Pharisees of his day. What would it look like if you were to practice kingdom come and welcome those outside into your home? And life. Second, we walk. If we're welcoming, we're now, the idea is we walk with non believers. We walk with people around us as much as we are able. See, Jesus met people where they were, ate with them, talked with them, invited them to come with him. You know, touch precedes telling. Touch precedes telling. I mean, this is simple stuff. I mean, he did things that no rabbi would do, he touched the diseased. He touched the infirmed. That's huge. And yet many Christians today never touch people outside their circle. Because we're too afraid or too scared or too, we'll get this or that. He didn't stand on a shore and yell across the water that Peter better follow or he'd be going to hell. Or criticize and judge how those stinky fishermen and their whole system was going to hell in a handbasket. He didn't do that. He invited them into a relationship. He offered them all a space to walk alongside him. Walking involves doing things that are not exactly comfortable. Walking involves doing things that maybe aren't on your calendar for the day. If we're to walk with those around us, we need to start going out of our way to walk with those people that are in our lives already. This is the idea of the Good Samaritan. You know, the religious people, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? They wanted to figure this out because they knew exactly that Jesus was calling them to walk with people that they didn't want to walk with. And the idea of Christianity is simply walking with your enemy, walking with people, creating that space and saying, I'm not only welcoming you, I'm walking with you. You hate me? Then I'm going to walk an extra mile with you. I'm going to go the distance because that's what our Savior did with us. Are we willing to lay down our agenda and walk with those neighbors next to us? Are we willing to lay down our calendar and take the time to walk with the co-worker that shares the office space alongside us? Are you willing to walk? Lastly, we worship Jesus wherever we find ourselves in the world. If we're welcoming and walking, then we're worshiping. Now let me just say, this doesn't mean you bring a guitar wherever you go, all right, and you bust out with David Crowder or Chris Tomlin and you're like, yeah. What are you doing? I'm just worshiping Jesus wherever I go. Worship is so much more than singing. Worship is a, is a tiny part of singing. I mean, it's, it's just, it's singing is just, please understand. Worship is glorifying God. It's glorifying God. It's being real with the people you live with. 
It's being real. When you blow it, say you blow it. Own up. I have a hard time with this. I'm a pretty humble guy. I can say that because I'm humble. No. But, but, but I, I do. I, I own up to it. But a lot of times I, I make excuses. And when I blow it with my family or my wife or whatever, I'll just say, well, I, it's because of the... Blah, blah, blah. No. You big dummy, just say you, you blew it. That's glorifying God when I'm real and I own up to what I have done wrong. That glorifies God. When you lift other people up at work and you make a space for them apart from yourself, you're glorifying God. When you love that person, you're glorifying God. When you do those things, when you, when you go up as a kid and you're, you're at school and you go to that person that's sitting all by themselves and you can go out of your way to, to love on them, you are glorifying your, your heavenly Father who sees your good deeds. I love what Paul says in Romans 12. I have this in, in, in the message because I just feel it is good. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Oh, actually, this is an NIV. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why? Because this is your true and proper worship. It's your everyday life. See, many people don't worship Jesus because too many Christians don't live a life of worship. They just don't. What if Christianity was truly known for radical love and a passionate pursuit of Jesus in our everyday lives? Perhaps... Maybe more people would drop their nets, stop harvesting weeds, and follow Jesus. See, that's the call of Jesus. That's kingdom come. Joseph chose it. The disciples chose it. How is your worship at work, at home, with your family, with your friends? See, this is it. The simple fact. Will you allow God's kingdom's principles to come into your life and change your today, to change your tomorrow? See, because the truth is, this is the only thing that's going to last. Because there's a reality, and the reality is the ways of the wicked will end. It will perish. It says that in Psalm 1. The way of the righteous will be forever, but the way of the wicked, it will literally it'll just cease. There will be no more. People will, one day, over millions of years, will look back and go, oh, people used to do things that way? It won't even exist anymore. There will be no thought of it. And that's why he says, he says, when the weeds are collected, eventually it's all going to be burned up. How many of us have things in our life that are just going to be gone because they do not last? And we cling to the poison. We cling to the weeds that you can't even eat anyway. And it's going to be burned. But you don't understand. This is so important. This is so good. No. Give it up. Because there's two options that Jesus says here. He says, let both grow together with the harvest at the time. And I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in a bundle to be burned. You're either going to be burned and the deeds will be burned or, or you'll gather the wheat and bring it into a barn or you'll go into the barn. You want to go to the barn. You don't want to get burned. And I'll tell you, many people are experiencing hell on earth already. They're getting burned. Because that's the weeds. The weeds are always going to be burned. Let's go before the Lord. My hope for you today as the worship team comes up and we start to get back into worship is that 
You just look at, at, at your life in general. This is a time to get introspective. This is a time to think about it and say, you know what? Where am I harvesting weeds? Where, where am I really, you know, what, 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 I mean, maybe this is something that you're looking at. You're going, you know what? I've never really, I've never really followed Jesus. I've never really said, you know what? I, I want to be wheat. I want my life to be wheat. Maybe that's you. God's call is always clear. Don't ignore it. But maybe you're like me, and there's just areas of your life that, that you're still clinging to, you're still holding on to, and it, it might not be horrible, but it's, it, let's be honest, it's weeds. It, it's just not going to last. My hope is that as you hear God's word today, you give those things to Him. And, and, and it might take a couple days. It might take a couple weeks. It might take a month. It might take a year. But you don't stop giving them those things. Because weeds have a tendency to keep growing up. And the other part of that is really, like, you're struggling with the weeds. I get it. I struggle with the weeds. I grew up in a family. I grew up in a life. I grew up in a time. I mean, my stuff, I did not have it easy. I was envious of other areas of my family. I was envious of my friends. I was envious of many different things. I was like, yo, if you guys only had the weeds I have. And it defined me. It caused me to do things that I, not, I thought I would never do. To seek drugs and seek this and seek that. I did so many stupid things because I focused so much on the weeds. If that's you, please hear me. God has a purpose. Even for those weeds in your life. Don't walk away hating God for the weeds. Don't blame Him. He's got something for you. My hope is that you, you, you get this and you apply it. You become a welcomer. You walk and you worship. Lord, we thank You. We're just people. We're just people that don't always get it. I know I don't get it. And many times, I look down and I go, Ah, oh, darn it, this is a weed. I thought it was wheat. But Lord, you're so loving, you're so gracious. You have a plan even, even for those things in my life that, that's meant to be burned. So Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now. I lift them up to you and I just pray, God, that you would... Extend your grace, your love, your mercy to them. Lord, and if there's somebody here that has never actually thought of the difference between weed and wheat and, and really seen your son Jesus and never bent their knee and said, Lord, I want to be wheat, Lord, that they would today find salvation and repentance and forgiveness and love because you extend it to all people at all times because your mercy is great and your love is forever.